0: Hello everybody. I hope you're having a fabulous day. I know I've been having a great month so far. May is my birthday month and we found some really creative ways to to celebrate my birthday. We actually used one of our business friends that I have interviewed in the past and I had all of my friends order the do-it-yourself lava bead bracelet kits from drops of gratitude so we all were shipped our kits in the mail so i got one for me one for each of my girls and then all of my friends who wanted to join the virtual bracelet bash uh ordered their own kits so we all got on to virtual video chat and we all made our bracelets together it was actually really really fun so today I am going to interview another amazing guest for our looking inward series her name is Taz and I'll tell you a little bit about Taz she has been in the finance industry for 18 years and has her Adult Educator Certificate. She's passionate about simplifying complex financial concepts for Canadians and about getting tough conversations started in order to find the right solutions to move on and up. Taz is the Community Engagement Partner at Bromwich & Smith License Insolvency Trustees and has been featured on Global TV, AM770 and on different webinars. In her spare time, you can find Taz facilitating personal development workshops, hiking in Canmore, practicing hot yoga, volunteering, networking, and reading. Now I've known Taz for years. We met at a networking event and she shares the same energy as me and passion about helping other people and her expertise is obviously in finance. So she's going to talk a little bit about financing and budgeting. Uh, And we'll probably bring up uh, some of the things that we can do now during this pandemic, if you're not already doing it. So let me get her on the line. Oh, and it's a beautifully sunny day with no wind today. I was hoping I could like sit outside (laughs) in the sun yesterday, but it was too windy for me. It's too windy where we are.
1: Yeah, it's nice to sit outside when you're working, isn't it?
0: Yes, it's beautiful. It get some vitamin D in there at the same time. It's
1: fabulous.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your
1: beautiful Friday. Thank you so much for having me. Actually, this is an honor.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you get to talk about that fun topic that not a lot of people <laughs> like to even think about. Hey,
1: da da.
0: da. da, da, da. <laughs> So I've already introduced you. We know how amazing you are with finances and budgeting and stuff. So what kind of uh, advice or little tidbits do you
1: want to share with us today? Oh, wow. How long do you have? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm However okay. long you feel we need. <laughs> no, you know what? In terms of advice, let's, you know, let's the the biggest, I guess the biggest thing I really like to get across, like you said, it's a topic that most people don't really want to talk about and that like that's what I'm passionate about is like let's just normalize this conversation like, I don't know if you remember I remember back when I went through my divorce divorce was this taboo word and concept and it was kind of like oh I'm, I'm going through a divorce like you know we had to sort of whisper it it's kind of like mm, wonder what she did
0: right? right and it rocks your finances <laughs> oh
1: my goodness yes yes it does. So, yeah, like, you know, I think there's this tendency to put finances and debt outside of everything else in our life, but it is completely interwoven in everything we do. So, if we've come to a point where we're okay to talk openly about divorce and not judge people if they've gone through or going through or, you know, in the process of a divorce, and we've come to this place where we can talk about mental health um, and, same thing, not have that judgment or stigma attached. It's interesting to me that we're not at that point yet where we can talk about just some facts, some realities around, you know, just like that, you know, maybe as a couple, both of you are working, maybe bringing in a six figure income. And at the end of the month, you're still in the red. And I think if if I have just like hit a nerve with somebody, they're feeling like they're the only ones, but they're not. I mean, like, we have survey after survey that shows, like, we, we just did a recent one, Bromwich and Smith did with Legere, um, and we saw that 49% of Canadians saw an income reduction due to COVID.
0: and that's oh, believe
1: it. Right? And 61% are behind on their credit card payments. So 61%, if you fall into that, you're definitely not alone.
0: Right. But it is. It's almost like a, a shame trigger for people. Just absolutely. like mental health or divorce and it's one of those things we just need to be open and vulnerable and dig deep and yeah
1: yeah let's talk about it absolutely I really do believe there's all this like stigma and shame um, and embarrassment around it and so I think the more yeah the more we can just talk about some of the facts and the facts are Roughly, at any given time, when you look at a survey, roughly half of all Canadians are saying things like, "Yes, I'm behind on my payment." Um, yes, it, you know, if my paycheck was late by a week, I'm not sure what I would do. Um, I think I'm. So, what too- does that
0: mean if you're behind on your payments? Like, for example, credit card. Just so we yeah. can, like really understand what you mean by that
1: yeah like basically if a couple of ways to look at it right like when you get your credit card statement there's always like there's the minimum payment on it and then there's like the full balance owing and I mean these days now the credit card companies have to sort of show you I don't know if you've looked at like the fine print now has to tell you if you were to only make the minimum payment it will take you you know like the equivalent of 200 years to pay off this credit card right oh, so yeah so you would
0: almost consider the minimum payment every month as being behind on payment yeah
1: actually yeah yeah in reality if you're, you're not, not getting ahead you're not getting ahead right and then especially if you're getting to that point where it's like whoa even the minimum payments are getting hard or if you're in this situation you've heard of that you know robbing peter to pay paul right where you're yes, like yes. okay well this credit card has a low interest rate i'm gonna bounce transfer all these other credit cards here you know if you're using credit to pay for credit and that can even be you know i was a mortgage broker for 10 years and we did a lot of home equity lines of credit which they they have their place for sure they're great they tend to be a lower interest rate but if you're starting to use your home as like i say as an as an atm like if you're kind of using it to consolidate debt two times three times This is a warning sign that there's something bigger, but not that you should feel shame or guilt, that, that this is kind of normal. It happens to a lot of people. And the key really is a, you know, admitting it, knowing you're not alone and then knowing what your resources are. What can you do to get ahead or to just get out of, you know, stop feeling like you're buried by this debt, right? Yes. Yes. I love
0: that. Okay, what other facts do we need to know until you can tell us what we need to do?
1: <laughs> well, so I think it's important to know, okay, what are your creditors rights, right? Like if you okay, let's say we get to that point where we're, we're willing to be honest with ourselves, because that's really what counts. It really doesn't matter about everybody else. Let's just be honest with ourselves. So we get to the point where we're honest with ourselves and going really honestly, I'm, I'm only making minimum payments. And when I look at this, you know, God forbid, I was to lose my job, I I wouldn't be able to pay all of this back on my own as things sit right now. Okay, you're being honest with yourself. So let's look at A, what can your creditors do? And then B, what can you do? I'd like to talk about those two things, you know? Okay, yeah. So in terms of options for your creditors, it really depends on the type of credit you have with them and what province you're in. It's a little bit different by province. But the key is creditors can either sue you they can either seize this item that they've lent money to you on um, and in some cases they can do both and they can also appeal to the court so they can put something like a judgment against you they could put what's called a lien or you know a writ against let's say real property and what that means is basically let's say it's your home that they put a lien on when you go to sell that not only do you need to pay off your mortgage you'll have to pay off whoever's put this lien on your property as well. So that means less money in your pocket, right? Yes, they can send it to a collections agency. And oh, man, those guys can be brutal. You're getting multiple phone calls in a day, they can send demand letters. I've heard of some pretty nasty threats. Um, And you know, there are ways to stop all of this. But just quickly, let's talk about, you know, see, sue or both, right? So depending on the type of credit that you have, your creditors have a couple of different options or maybe just the one option. It kind of just depends on what kind of credit you have, right? So there's something that's called like a conditional credit, conditional um yeah, like it's it's a conditional um, relationship, basically. And in a conditional relationship, what that is, is basically, you know, like those rent-to-own companies where you can go rent your TV and yes. sofa and all that. That would be like a conditional sales contract, okay? So they... makes sense. Yeah, so you've borrowed, you're renting something from them and you're making payments on that thing that you're renting, right? And now right. you're in, unable to continue. So in that situation, the creditor can either seize your sofa and tv and all that stuff or they can sue you for what's remaining but they can't do both they can do one or the other so if you were like yeah come in here take my stuff away I have nowhere to sit now but the floor you you know you're kind of done you're done with that obligation so that's one right one option right There's also like secured credit contracts. So that's where probably the most common when people think about is, you know, their home or their car. Right. Where it's like we're lending you this money um, and we have this thing as a security, your car or your home, let's say. Right. Right. So in that situation, they can seize that security. They could sue you for the balance or they can do both except in Alberta, but in most provinces, they could do both. So they can, so you give them right. back the vehicle plus they can sue you for what else you owe them. Right. Oh, that sounds so awful. Okay. It, it is. And it's important to, this is the stuff like, see, this is why I want to normalize this conversation. Cause I really do feel in order for you to feel empowered, you got to have knowledge. Yes. Right. Um, And then the last one is unsecured. So this would be like your credit cards, um, maybe like your cell phone, utility bills, that kind of thing. Right. So this is where, you know, there's no there's no security pledged, but, you know, they're kind of giving you a service so they can stop the service. They can begin collection process or they can sue you for the outstanding debt Um, and they can kind of do a combination of those things. So it's important to just know. Once we're honest with ourselves and we're like, okay, I'm, I'm in a bind. What can my creditors do at this point? Right. And then we need to look at, okay, what can I do? What are my options? Right.
0: And that knowledge really is power. Cause it's like, oh my goodness, the world isn't going to end. They just might take my couch away. Right. <laughs> you know, it can really kind of put things back into perspective a little bit in case we're getting a little ahead of ourselves.
1: Yes, absolutely. So then like, what are your options? You know, there's a couple things you can do when you kind of have that honest conversation with yourself. The first thing always any financial guru is going to say, if you haven't already created a budget, do one. And if you have, it might be time to rework your budget and budget. I know everyone thinks we should know what a budget is. Okay. Like in simple terms, a budget is just how much money is coming in. So your full-time job, your side hustle, you know if you've got alimony or child support you're getting gst checks like what is all the money that's coming like into my household into my bank account in some way shape or form and then what is all the money that's going out and when you look at a budget there's like fixed expenses there's variable expenses, right? So fixed would probably be things like your rent or your mortgage payment. If you've got a loan payment, like those are fixed. You know, every month it's the same yeah, amount. Yeah, the
0: same amount every month. Right? Yeah.
1: And then variable will be things like, you know, maybe groceries fluctuate a little bit here and there. You know, pre-pandemic, we used to have people over. And so, you know, right. for me, I know when I would entertain, you know, the grocery budget goes up a little bit versus when I'm not entertaining, right? For sure. Um, and And there's... And it's really important when we do that budget and the budget is for you, please, please, please let's make I think the reason a lot of us don't do budgets again, it's that whole like shame and guilt. Listen, nobody else needs to look at that budget, but you need to look at that budget and you need to know what your numbers are, right?
0: Absolutely. And, and we gain like self esteem and self-confidence oh consistency so if we're making ourselves a budget that's just for us and our eyes only yes. as long as we can stay consistent with it it's amazing how even that will change your life for sure and it builds you your self-image yes it builds yeah.
1: your self-image and I find for me so I've been doing a budget since my first job when I was 16 and it I find it a really empowering tool like I can I look at it like if I were a corporation me Inc. and it's like all right these are my expenses and these are my you know these are my assets these are my liabilities this is you know the income and expense sheet and then someone's like hey want to do blah 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 and I'm just like oh that's just not in our budget this quarter but thanks like I don't feel this like shame and angst of
0: oh, I can't afford it. I like, don't feel this obligation. Right. Because so. yeah. I'm just like, yeah. mm,
1: I know. I know where my money's at and I know what my goals are. And you know what? Saving for this trip is way more important to me than going to this whatever concert with you. And so then well, I can...
0: those boundaries are so important. Right. Yeah, it's
1: easier to say no when you have that. Exactly. And so once you've done a budget, maybe one of the things you can look at is reworking that budget. What does reworking mean? it's like looking at can I lower any of my expenses and or can I increase my income and right now in this you know financial crisis man creditors are willing to work with you so take advantage of that like once you know what your situation is you can start calling up your cell phone company and saying wow you know what this $200 bill a month is not working for me I'm not working full time right now what can you do work with me right
0: Yes. And that's such a good point. Cause right now creditors are willing to be more flexible right. for obvious reasons. Yeah. So
1: let's take advantage of that right now, before you even bring anybody into the scenario, you are empowered. Once you know your budget, call around, see what you can do. Like I know for me, I'm working from home now. So I called up my car insurance company to say, Hey, I'm not driving to and from work. I'm saving $20 a month on my car insurance. doesn't sound like a whole lot, but $20, times 12. And let's say I do that with two or three other accounts that can start to add up, right? If we're feeling really overwhelmed, right?
0: Yeah, totally. So it doesn't have
1: to be anything big, baby steps. The other thing you can look at is refinancing. And I know like we we talk about refinancing your mortgage, but there's other things that, you know, some lenders might be willing to refinance for you. And that just means to stretch out your payment terms on that loan and maybe lower your payment or lower that interest rate for you. So again, yeah, depending on who you know your lender is, contact them and see if that's an option for you, right?
0: I know we just did that with our cell phone plan because we yeah. have a family plan and our carrier basically said if you pay out your phone, yeah. which 100 and something like is nothing, then we can actually get you on a different plan where you're going to be saving $60 a month. So it's like, that's just a no brainer, right? It's little things like that. Yeah,
1: little steps. It's just little things. Another option is a consolidation loan. And you know, I want to put a bit of a caveat on that, because that is one of those using credit to pay off credit. In some situations, it can be the right thing for you. But I just I want people to just be aware of what they're doing. You're still borrowing money um, and not all consolidation loans are giving you a better interest rate or better terms. So really, really important to read the fine print again, because we're so embarrassed and there's so much stigma around it. You know, the predators know they know that you don't really want to go in and speak to a financial planner or go in and talk to your bank. And so they're trolling on the internet for, yeah. you know, those people that are like, I'm in a bind, I don't want anyone to know, and not all consolidation loans are equal. So I just say like, that is an option, but I, I, want, I want you to be really cautious about it and really read your fine print. And, you know, if you're not getting a way better interest rate than what you're already paying, and if, you know, your payment terms aren't better and, you know, you're not being able to pay it off faster, that might not be the best option for you.
0: Yes, And I like that you say sometimes it's a good option. Like I'm sitting here thinking, well, what would be a good option? (laughs) Obviously, if the interest rate is better, then you would want to consolidate. Maybe if you have student loans or something like that, and you could kind of pile it all in and it's less interest rate. It just makes sense.
1: Yeah. And you've got an end date. I think that's the other really big thing about a consolidation loan versus something that's like a revolving, like a credit card or a line of credit, there's kind of no end date. So for some people, a consolidation loan just gives them that discipline. So if that's you, go for it, do your research, find the best consolidation loan you can that has the best rates, the best payment term and allows you to pay it off in the quickest way possible. Love it. And then of course there are things like, you know, credit counseling, orderly payment of, of debt and debt management. Programs that are out there, and they're, you know, every city, every province. Some are nonprofit, some are for profit, some are government run. Basically, with all of those, somebody's just helping you pay back every penny that you owe. You're paying all of it back plus some interest. Some, usually, like if it's a government run or a nonprofit, that interest rate is fixed and it's at a lower amount, but you're paying you know, everything, 100%, 105% in some cases, you know, depending on what that interest rate is. Um, and there. It's this like third party negotiator that's negotiating with your credit card companies or with, you know, whoever you have your loans with and saying, hey, this person's not able to pay, you know, everything as the terms are right now. We want to pay it all back, but we're just going to do it as this one lump sum payment. And those, again, they have value in society as well. The couple of things you need to know about those is creditors are not bound to it. There's no, nothing legally binding them. So they can come back and say, yes, okay, we agree. Or they can come back and say, we don't agree. Um, or they can change their mind partway through. So it's really important, again, just, just want people to know what their options are and be able to just make a really, really educated, informed decision And the one thing I caution you against is if you're going somewhere and they're saying, Hey, we got you, we're going to give you like full on counseling and, and we're going to charge you $3,000 to do this. Um, if you're struggling to make your payments, and they're saying we're going to charge you three $5,000 to help you out. Oh, and you can put that on a payment plan.
0: Yeah, not uh, really helping though.
1: Is <laughs> it really helping, right? Especially when there's so many like free or nearly free options. So again, like just buyer beware. There are reputable companies out there that will do these programs and charge you a very nominal fee or no fee or just add interest to your payments. So again, buyer beware. This could be the right option for some people. I would say if you're owing like less than $7,000, Um, And you're okay with paying back, you know, 100% of what you owe, plus an interest rate, and you do your research and you go with the right, you know, um, companies that are out there, you know, nationwide, there's like Credit Counseling Society, but then again, by province, there's some different options, right?
0: Right.
1: So that, that could be an option. Do your due diligence on all of these options I'm offering you. Please, please, please. And what does due diligence mean? I want you checking Better Business Bureau. I want you reading reviews on lots of different places. There's Google. There's Yelp. There's Facebook. Three best rated. I mean, do your research, right? Call them up. Most places you should be able to get just a free, no obligation consultation over the phone do that. Figure out, hey, this is my situation. What would you do for me? What would that cost me? What are all the different fees that are involved here? Like just really get super clear right before you commit to any of these. Totally. And then there's two other options, of course, that, you know, They're the ones that like I can speak as an expert to because I work at Bromwich and Smith and these are the two that we offer. And, you know, these are legal options. They are federally regulated and they actually force your creditors like they legally stop your creditors from taking action against you. And we talked about what that action can be. Right. We've talked about they can seize, they can sue, they can put a judgment, they can do phone calls. So, you know, these are the two federally regulated options which are consumer proposal and bankruptcy. And again, these are words that have a lot of stigma and shame attached to them. And I just want to, these are just options and they may actually be the best option for you. Meaning
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: Meaning they're going to get you out of the debt and they're going to allow you to start rebuilding your life like faster, better, stronger. So it just is. I don't, I don't want us to sort of say whether it's right or wrong, whether it's good or bad. It just is there. It's just some factual information that this is an option available to you. Right.
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: So quickly, I'll just share with you a little bit about, you know, consumer proposal and bankruptcy. If you're cool with that, then we've kind of talked about all the yeah, options. Absolutely. Right. Please do. So a consumer proposal, you're not paying back every single penny that you owe your creditors. It's a negotiated settlement that a licensed insolvency trustee does on your behalf. And they, how they do that is, you know, they've got to look at your income and expenses, haha, back to a budget, assets and liabilities, Mm -hmm. how many dependents there are, you know, there's guidelines in place. And then they look at, okay, if you were to go the bankruptcy route, what would that look like? And then we offer to your lenders, something that's a little bit better than a bankruptcy. So that could be 20 cents on the dollar. It could be 95 cents on the dollar. I mean, it really depends on your situation. But the point is, it's a negotiated settlement. You're not paying back all of the monies. It's legally binding on your creditors. They cannot contact you. And that's the biggest thing. You get that protection under the license, under the Insolvency Act Um, With a consumer proposal, some of the advantages of a consumer proposal is your assets do not have to sit with the trustee. So you own a car, you own a home, maybe you have like a rental property, like a consumer proposal is a really great option because you don't have to sort of hand over your assets, right?
0: And your credit is not being affected at that point, It can't get any worse.
1: And that's really important to talk about, Teddy, right? That people are like, oh, consumer proposal bankruptcy is going to ruin my credit for seven years. I'll tell you, having been a mortgage broker, the minute you're at an R3 or worse, which means you're three payments behind on something, it's already lowering your score, affecting your overall credit report, and it stays on there for six years as well, Yeah, right? So you're right. I mean, a consumer proposal isn't as damaging to your credit as a bankruptcy is. It is more damaging to your credit than, you know, maybe a consolidation loan. So let's, you know, we've got to, we've got to look at those options. But again, what are the advantages? Your assets are not touched. You get that legal protection where your creditors cannot contact you. You get, you know, monthly payments that you can afford over the next five years maximum. But if you want to pay it off sooner, you can. with with a consumer proposal you know exactly what the process is and you know exactly what the outcome is you can in fact qualify for credit during a consumer proposal and then for sure you're able to get best rates and terms two years after you've completed your consumer proposal so it really is an option that is so not talked about that is honestly such a great option right now really great you know you and i were talking a little bit about divorce Sometimes divorcing couples will go into like a joint consumer proposal so that not one or the other is left with this overwhelming burden, right, in their new situation, which, yes. I, you know, when I went through my divorce, I was like, you know, a millimeter away from bankruptcy because, yeah, it, it takes a toll on you financially, Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. It does. Yeah. We owned a bunch of rental properties together and it was, it was, it was tricky.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And once you do your divorce settlement, I mean, one partner could afterwards just go and, you know, sign into bankruptcy and now the other partner's left holding the bag. Right. So it's really important that this option is legally binding on creditors. So consumer proposals, some really good advantages there it doesn't affect you if you're like the director of a business as well you can you can go consumer proposal versus like you can't file bankruptcy if you're a director of a business right right and then finally bankruptcy which is the last resort and like licensed insolvency trustees are going to be the first to say it's the last resort it's not sort of like the first thing you want to jump to Um, but it's not the end of the world you know in a bankruptcy situation if it's your first time It's a nine month process so long as there isn't, you know, additional income and things like that. And that's the conversation you're going to have when you call in and speak to, you know, the trustee office. Right. But generally a first time bankruptcy, it's a nine month process um, at a minimum. It's a minimum cost. There is a cost to go bankrupt. I remember this one time. Well, I was really struggling and um, I couldn't pay my heat bill or something like that. And she's like, you know, she's just really harsh on the phone. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. She she's like, if you can't afford to pay this bill, you can't even afford a bankruptcy. So that was a rude awakening <laughs> for me. <laughs> so good point. There, there is a tariff. Like there is like, you know, the trustee needs to be paid out of your assets for their work. And quite often that works out to Somewhere around one hundred and eighty to two hundred dollars a month for nine months, and there's ways to work with that okay in a bankruptcy you also get that legal protection that stay of proceedings where creditors can't contact can't you know garnish your wage anymore um, in both of these options you can include your tax debt if you're owing money to CRA, you know we say like debt and death and taxes are the only guarantees in life but in some, in, in most, well, in any case, if you go into a consumer proposal or bankruptcy and you've, you're owing money to Canada Revenue, that can go away in a consumer proposal or bankruptcy as well. Student loans in some situations can also be taken care of in a consumer proposal or bankruptcy. And yes, it has the worst rating on your credit report for sure, but again, it's a short process normally if it's the first time, and then you can start rebuilding two years after
0: yeah. And you can totally bounce back from it. I know I know a few people that have declared bankruptcy and they now own homes and they have reestablished their credits and everything's fine. It just takes a little bit of time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, you know, that was what I was really passionate about just sharing with people that there are options. And even the ones that sound like the scariest, they're not the end of the world. It. It is there so that society can continue, so we can have commerce, so that we can, you know, have faith in our system. So, yeah, I think it's just important to normalize this conversation around our finances and around our debt.
0: Absolutely. So if somebody is listening, and they're like, oh, my goodness, like I have options. What would you say their first step should be?
1: First step, rework your budget. As
0: to not feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. so just sit down rework your budget yeah. these, are so income, these are my expenses
1: yeah it is so cathartic and it does take that overwhelm away when you can just put it down on paper like once you see it on paper I find like anything that's in just in our head it, it's oh it. there's like a
0: magic to oh, like pen and paper. right Like my husband is very much like he'll like journal and everything on a computer. And I'm like, no, no, it's gotta be paper and a pen. I know.
1: See, you're (laughs) like me. I'm a little old school. And just about any decision in my life, like some of the silliest stuff. I'm like, if I feel overwhelmed, I'm like, okay, pro con list, let's just make a pro con list and boom, like all of a sudden stuff just, I don't know. It just makes it so much easier. So that's the very first thing I, I, I feel people can do to stop feeling that madness and that, you know, that shame and that guilt and that overwhelming feeling that we get with our finances. Um, Number two, once you do that, um, and if you see that, okay, I have decreased all my expenses that I can, I've increased my income in every way that I can, and I'm still struggling, then, you know, it's time to reach out to the right professional and just review your options. Um, we offer that we offer like free, no obligation, you know, customized consultation. And if we feel credit counseling is the best option for you, we're going to tell you that, right? So that's one option is to really reach out, maybe reach out to your financial planner, maybe reach out to your mortgage broker, you know, talk to a professional and know who the right professionals are to talk to Um,
0: and have a financial planner. Some people right, think they can do it all on their own, right. but I mean, come on. There's experts here for a
1: reason. For sure. I always say I'm the quarterback of my life, but the quarterback needs a team.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: I need a team on on my side for my life. So. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, my personal totally.
1: trainer, my financial planner, you know,
0: Yeah, consult with the experts in their field. Yeah. So as far as
1: debt relief goes, honestly, really, a, a lot of times, I think we think the fir- first phone call needs to be elsewhere. I don't know about other trustees, but I can tell you at Bromwich and Smith, like it's a toll free call, you're going to speak to somebody that's non judgmental, that's empathetic, that gets what the law is, and is going to give you sound, you know, unbiased, impartial information. And then you make the decision. Now you're in a position to make a really informed decision and you do what's best for you, but just do something. And then the last thing I want to say is then talk about this. Let's talk to our girlfriends over wine about our debts, our finances, because, you know, if you're in a group of five, four out of those five have potentially done some form of restructuring, but you will never know that because you guys don't talk about it
0: yes that's such a good good point be honest be open be vulnerable that's like how you establish (laughs) life in right yeah it's true. Like you just have to be honest with yourself. That's where it starts. Yeah, and let's and let's be honest like with our this friends. This is one of those scenarios where people just push it down mm. and just kind of try to avoid and hope that it will go away. We have this one So I have an interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. And then I have an interesting. Okay, we
1: have this one, we have this one, that, have this one client story actually. So he's an older gentleman, at, retired, and him and his four buddies meet at this you know, local Tim Hortons every single morning for coffee, right? He ends up going through the restructuring program with us, does a consumer proposal. And for some reason, oh, yeah, because, because we were doing this, this shoot, we, you know, he was going to be on TV and stuff. So, you know, he tells his friends, hey, I'm not going to meet you for coffee today. I got to go record this. And they're like, what are you recording for? And he's like, well, you know, Bromach and Smith, they're licensed insolvency trustees. They help me out with my finances. So four other buddies, three of those four are like, what? I did a consumer proposal. What? I did a bankruptcy when did you do you know like and they That's they awesome. were buddies having morning coffee for like years and nobody have knew no idea. right
0: because there's that pride factor mm-hmm. the ego mm-hmm. thing right go ahead what was your question so interesting question so if we're budgeting and say we feel like we are like a little bit short what is your opinion as like a financial advisor on creating a side hustle or another stream of income or something like that is that realistic is that something that we shouldn't look at if it costs more money to establish something Mm, like
1: that Great. I
0: want to hear what your advice on something like that such a good
1: question and timely okay I am going to answer this strictly as Taz Rajan right because I
0: feel like so (laughs) many people right now are struggling. So yeah. is that an option? Is that something that they should even? consider? Yeah.
1: Logic. I'm going to speak to you just very, very personally. I can't necessarily say whether this is the opinion of Bromwich and Smith or not. Okay. But just personally, makes sense. I feel like given what the situation we're in right now, if this hasn't opened people's eyes to the need to have another stream of income, like I, I kind of don't know what would, but to me, So many people have been temporarily laid off, laid off completely, um, and maybe getting, you know, some pay, but, you know, work isn't really open. Like, I think it's really, really brought to light for us that a job alone is probably not the most secure. Like, I feel like, you know, our parents came from this place of go to school, get a good education, get yourself a good, safe, secure job, Right. And that was a fact in their time. If you look at the industrial revolution, you got a job and you had that job for 30 years.
0: Back then, it was super Exactly.
1: We're not in the industrial age anymore. We're in the information age. And I saw this really cool pin the other day. And it was like, you know, there was IQ. And then there was like EQ, emotional quotient. And the thing now is AQ, which is adaptability. How adaptable are you? right so the ability to be adaptable so I have a side hustle and during this thank goodness I'm so grateful I've kept my job I'm working full-time like I'm swamped but that side hustle has helped me help other people get products that they couldn't have gotten otherwise Um, it's helped me to have just you know a little bit of an extra income coming in so that I'm not freaking out about what if I got laid off tomorrow um, it's helped me so much in building my self worth and having this community. That's the other thing. I think you know when we look at a side hustle, it's not only about the financial piece; it's also about the emotional and mental, and you know that whole stability. Are we growing as a oh, human, 100%. right? So,
0: yeah, totally. I,
1: I think especially if you were to talk to a millennial right now, I mean, they'd be they're they're all about the side hustle, and a lot of them don't have anything but side hustles. For me personally. When when we look at it, when I look at a budget, and it's like, how do I decrease my expenses and how do I increase my income? One of the ways to increase that income is definitely a side hustle. Now, you asked a really important question, though. If that side hustle requires more money to get started, well, it will. I mean, you can't open up a Starbucks without taking out a probably a two hundred thousand dollar bank loan and maybe putting your house up and giving up your firstborn. I mean. And, and it doesn't make money in the first five years. So yes, there's going to be some sort of a cost involved. And again, this is the buyer beware. This is the do your research. Look at your options. Is it being an Uber driver? Does that mean, you know, you're going to spend more money on gas and you're going to have more mileage and maybe your insurance is going to go up? Does that make sense? Is it working at Instacart just, you know, filling up people's, you know, grocery orders and maybe not delivering, maybe you're just on the inside part of it because you don't have a vehicle, right? Is it maybe a network marketing option? And most of those have a very low barrier to entry. Um, but again, it's, it's got to make sense in your budget. And, you know, if you're talking to someone about doing a side hustle and you're not talking about your budget, then that to me is a bit of a red flag, right? You got to talk about your budget. But yes, sometimes we have to, we have to give to get, Right.
0: You do. Absolutely. And And I think from what I hear that you're saying, as long as it makes sense long term or in the long run, you have to kind of go into it having those goals of, okay, I'm going to make my money back within three months, within five years, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. As long as you have a goal to work to, to put into your budget, then... Maybe it is something. Yeah, And
1: sometimes sense. it's counterintuitive. Like I know for my side hustle, you know, my mentors were like, for me, that was like my option out of having to have a job. This is pre-Bromwich and Smith. Um, and, you know, I was struggling for the small investment that it is per month. And, you know, when my mentor was like, well, maybe you need to get a job. I was like, what? Like a job? No, that's why I'm doing this was to not have a job. (laughs) But again, if you look at some of the greatest entrepreneurs in our, in just in our lifetime, they had to do things counterintuitive too. They had to do other jobs maybe and run this. Right. So, well, and
0: I, I think we have similar, and I don't know if you have read the either. I have, but I feel like that was like one of the first like introductions <laughs> to budgeting or money or income streams or whatever that I had, and I loved Rich Dad Poor Dad. And his biggest thing is have as many income streams as you can. That just makes sense. So I kind of have always been around that. So I wanted to ask you that question just to kind of get your own opinion. Yeah, on that. and I think so I'm going to put a bit. Of I a like key- hearing that we're kind
1: of on the yeah, same and a bit like- of a caveat on that because sometimes. That's what ends up getting people into our office. So the big caveat I have on that is a side hustle is not an overnight success. It's not a silver bullet and it's not a get rich. It shouldn't be a get rich quick scheme. You got to look at it like long term. And if it's long term and let's say it's costing you $200 a month, you got to find a way to make sure that your budget can afford that $200 a month for five years, not for, three or four months and then, oh my God, I think I'm going to be bankrupt. Right. Because then that's, yes. and then, and then we say it was that side hustles fault. Right. And we, you know, but it's not, it, it's, you didn't really take stock and you didn't really look at this from a long-term yeah. feasibility perspective.
0: And often for me, like if I start something, I'll say, okay, my first goal is just going to be to make my own money that I'm putting into right. it back so that I'm I'm in this business for free, as soon as I can be like, it's a silly, stupid little goal. But that helps me logically process, okay, well, I'm not going to be out any money, as long as I can make that money.
1: Absolutely. I think the break even point is very much that first goal. And then the making money takes time as it does with any business. And that's the other thing, if we're coming from like you say, Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, cash, cash flow quadrants, right? If we're coming from the E and the S quadrant, the employee small business, it's a big difference in mindset to start thinking like an entrepreneur. So that's a big thing as well. If you're not working on your mindset, and looking at the
0: and our parents might not oh, have that mindset. Oh, they probably don't. They lived in a different age and a different generation. Yeah. Our parents and probably yeah. a
1: lot of our totally. close friends don't have that mindset. And so it's really important to look Absolutely. at like.
0: Absolutely. And that's <laughs> one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on this podcast. Because it is one of those less talked about things. Because growing up, I wasn't taught. To right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that was uh, readily available, I feel. And that's why I read Robert Kiyosaki mm-hmm. books in my um, early young adult life, because I'm like, okay, I got to get this information from somewhere. I'm going to take it from a mentor who has walked his own talk and has succeeded yeah, financially. For sure.
1: Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's the last thing I would leave you with is look for people that have fruit on the tree. So my own example, yeah. I've been divorced once um, and then, you know, had another, you know, relationship breakdown. So I'm probably not the most ideal person to give you advice on sustaining a long-term marriage right? I I love you. And I care about you. And I want what's best for you. But I'm probably not the person you should be asking for marital advice, right? Or like, you know, you wouldn't ask someone who's obese, you know, their opinion on your latest keto, you know, meal planning or something, right? Like, and I know this sounds really like, well, duh. Yeah, but we do it all the time when it comes to side hustles and how to run our finances and, Like you gotta go to the experts that have the fruit on the tree. I want the personal trainer that is ripped and strong and that really, I would love it if they were like overweight at one point and were a diabetic. I mean, my personal trainer was that he was a diabetic and had a heart attack. Like he was really, really big and he is like chiseled now. Yeah, I will. I will do whatever he tells me to do because I know she's walked the walk. He's walked
0: mm-hmm, his talk, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love that. You're so awesome, You Jennifer. are. Thanks
1: so much for having me on.
0: This is so fun. Absolutely. Well, yeah, if you ever want to be interviewed again, just pick another topic that you're an expert <laughs> in and we'll we'll, head, we'll go on it. to it. Thanks so much, Teddy. <laughs> okay, well, I know you're a busy woman, so I'll let you get back to it, but have a fantastic day and thank you so much for all of your little thank words. Thank you. Of wisdom all right take right. care Ted. Mountain Movers are a high quality highly reliable moving company who offer to assist you with all of your relocation needs find out more and request a discount by contacting our good friend and owner Jeff Gilbert email him at mountainmovers at and tell him Teddy sent you I'm sure he'll give you a discount Thank you.